Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. to the big show. He could go all way. Oh, America, are you serious? It is showtime, baby. Here we go.
Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Cold War Radio, live on our home base, WAAR Radio. We are America Radio, your number one source for streaming political and government talk anywhere. I'm Hutch Bailey Jr., deep down in the bunker in my Smith & Wesson studio in the city of Pittsburgh. Follow me on Spreaker, ladies and gentlemen, and you'll know when the shows are. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cold War Radio 405. Cold War Radio is a proud iHeartRadio program, and you can email the show at scrtv at live.com. Call in line 412 567 1460. Chat room is up. Go to steelcityresistance.blogspot.com. You can catch the show notes, the links for the chat, the links for the show, the links for all kinds of other different sites I frequent every now and then. And if you can help, hit the donate button. On the website, I'm about ready to, to can the, the Patreon project. That didn't go so well, and that's an extra step at the end of the night. So uh, let's just stick to the donate button for now. That's uh, That didn't catch on. Wasn't sure if it was going to or not, but anyway, there you go. Now, i got to be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen. I am glad that the presidential debates are over. <laughs> I'm telling you, that made for some, some long nights. Uh... I'm not going to, I am going to talk about them for a little bit, but I'm not going to dwell on them like probably the rest of the shows are, uh, because I've had enough of them, I'm tired of it, you know, it's time for, uh, I'm not as much as tired of the debates as I am uh, of the aftermath and preamble uh, of the different pundits out there, and I have a couple clips for you tonight, and this this first clip that I'm going to play, uh, the clip was about six minutes long, and I, I, I cut it down. To three minutes uh, just because t- time is too valuable on the program uh, but this is one of the guys that personifies the Republicans that have bailed out on the man that has some balls all the punks have bailed out this is the, the head punk the biggest one out of him William Crystal as he squares off with Morning Joe and I want you to listen to uh, everybody at this table is against Trump but I want, I want you to listen to them fighting amongst themselves. I mean, this is just beautiful. We've got these idiots in such disarray. Uh, let's listen for yourself. I don't think that it changes a, a bunch of minds. And, and that's right. really, that's really what matters here. Right. Bill Crystal, it's all about changing dynamics. you got to yeah. change the dynamics. The poll numbers are breaking in such a way over the past week. Very bad news for Donald Trump. He's got to reverse those. Did anything happen last night? That would have made anybody change your mind and go back to Donald Trump. No, but I think something happened that would make some people leave Donald Trump. But I, I don't like, I mean, yes, on style points, Trump was a little yeah. better in the first 30 minutes, and right. he had a couple of clever insults, right. and she had some insults. But, but that's not the point. The headline out of this debate is obviously the failure to say ahead of time that you'll accept the results of a Democratic election in America. Pretty unprecedented. It doesn't mean that there's going to be violence in the streets. Certainly not if others now say that. Who cares what Donald Trump says? So what should, Repu- fluke, what should Republicans say? He's going to be a failed, say? fluke presidential candidate. What should he Republicans should ignored, say? He should be ignored on election night, and Republicans need to say that, Wait, and especially... Uh, yes, he fluked, he won the nomination in a fluky way. A fluky way? Not a fluke. Well, I'm, I hope he it was a fluke. He beat like 16 people. He did, and that's because unfortunate. the Republican Party nominated him. I agree, and some and Republicans have refused to support him, and he's going to lose the general election. And he's Well, I think it was a fluke in some ways, and in other ways he tapped into some deep anxieties. I mean, he got a minority a of the vote. A fluke is something He got a minority expected. of the vote. Okay, fine, you can play. The Republican Party <laughs> should feel bad. <laughs> Does that make you feel better? Does that make you feel better about yes, it? You, you feel great because the Republican Party nominated a guy who's really a bad guy as president. And you think it's funny and amusing. No, I actually you 
Republicans think Republicans need to come clean on themselves. Well, thank including you. Including leaders of the Republican Party. What does come clean on themselves mean? Just they be oppose... honest about what's right and wrong. And well, what's wrong is Donald Trump. Trump. This show, uh, this show, I, this show was very tough. This show was really tough on Trump in 20, late 2015 early 2016. We were. Are, we gonna, are you going to pretend that? We were. Oh, fine. Um, if, that's, if that's your way of rewriting history, you that's what I'm going to do. He wouldn't answer a question? You mean when we a lot of people, a lot of people accommodated Donald Trump at different times. I think I'm, but I'm not going to get into. We don't. Well, no, no, no. You just did. You lied. I did not come on my air and lie. You said in late 15, in early December 2000. I can't even believe you're doing this. I don't know why you're so bitter. I'm not bitter. I'm trying to say the Republicans. I'm trying to say the Republicans need to. You're practically crying. And I am upset about this election. That's right, Joe. It's early December. In early December 2015, we compared it to Germany 1930. Oh, that's what he was doing. Really? Oh, really? We've got you know. And you treated him that way when he called in. Is that right? Yeah, we treated him. You treated him tough. You asked the most tough questions. We did. Look, we don't need to get into this. No, it's too late. It's too late. You're bitter. You come on here practically crying. We've got it on tape. You're screaming at Mika. You don't even know what she's going to say, which is the same thing that you were going to say, which is why is Paul Ryan? Why are Mitch McConnell? Why? No, that's what Mika was going to say. Well, we're in agreement. Well, then don't attack us. I'm not laughing, you guys. Aye, aye, aye. Embarrassment. That is your Republican establishment right there. A bunch of girls. Unbelievable. Now, I want to talk about this, his main issue, the main thing that that, uh, made him go into menopause there. Uh, We just saw two tapes showing the complete criminality of the Democrat machine from the campaign, from the presidential campaign, all the way down to the two-bit hood on the street, and the flow of money that way. We saw facilitation of voter fraud. And then a guy, a day later, is supposed to come on national TV and swear that he's going to accept the results of this criminal machine. And your panties are all in a wad because he did that. And Jeff Flake and, and Lindsey Graham, two closet Democrats. Closet something else, too. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then, on the criminal side, we have Bobo Brazil, Donna Brazil, who says that she won't be persecuted. She just won't be. And for one time, for one time this campaign, Megyn Kelly stood up to evil. Take a listen to this. I've said nothing about my feelings. This is about a controversy that has erupted to the point where I wasn't the one who fired these two staffers. The Democrats fired these two staffers. So obviously they believe some wrongdoing took place. Whether the tape was obtained, let me just finish, whether the tape was obtained improperly or not. But but no one so far has come out to challenge the legitimacy of these particular tapes put out by James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. In fact, they've acted on them. Absolutely. So you you, you say that the tapes are, are falsified? Uh, Mr. O'Keefe enjoys falsifying records. He did it with NPR. He's yeah, done but it with what about in this sources. case? But, but, but Kelly, can I ask you, we're at a presidential debate, uh, and Donald Trump made several ridiculous claims tonight. And, you're dodging. And, you, you and take, I hit Donald yeah, Trump's representatives with those, play, but now I, I have you. I don't play dodgeball, honey. I play basketball. And I'm just telling you, he tried to score on misinformation. He, he's trying okay. to score, but I have you. Listen, listen. You, that was obtained. You, you say that, Donna. Kelly. You say that. You say you say that you play that you play straight up. But, but I have to ask you because oh, you do, were accused. You were accused of receiving a debate question before a CNN town hall where they partnered with TV One, and that that you had this question on on March twelfth. That verbatim, verbatim was provided by Roland Martin to CNN the next day. How did you get that question, Donna? Well, Kelly, since I play straight up, and I'll play straight up with you, uh, I did not receive any questions from CNN. Let's just be Where'd very you get clear. It? Uh, where, where did you get uh, it? First of all, what information are you providing to me that that will allow me to see what what you're talking about? Everybody, you got is, the is WikiLeaks released a March 12th Podesta email showing I you do. messaging the Clinton campaign with the exact wording of a question asked at the March 13th Kelly, CNN TV Kelly, One town hall debate. Kelly, 
Where uh, did you get it? I, 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 you know, as a Christian woman, I understand persecution, but I will not sit here and be persecuted because your information is totally false. What you're, what you're telling the American people. I'm getting it from Podesta's people, email. What, what you're, what, what you well, Podesta's emails were stolen. You're so interested in talking about stolen So you material, deny it. You're like, you're like a thief that want to bring into the night the things that you found that was in the gutter. I'm not, let Donna, me just tell you what CNN's I CNN's Jake Tapper Kelly. came out and said this was unethical. Somebody was unethically helping the Clinton campaign. He said, I love Donna Brazil, but this is very, very upsetting. And I love, My understanding I love is that CNN the email to I Donna Brazil, he, this is Jake Tapper. My understanding is that the email to Donna Brazil came from either Roland Martin or someone around Roland Martin. He's said this is very upsetting and very troubling. That's your own colleague at CNN. It's not Megyn Kelly. Who gave you that question? Uh, hey, Megan, once again, I've said it and I've said it on the record and I'll say it on the record and I'll keep saying it on the record. I am not going to try to validate falsified information. They all sound the same when they get caught, don't they? They all do, just like complete idiots. But that's what they're counting on everybody else to be. That's how they get elected. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hillary Clinton accused the Russian government last night of committing espionage on the American election system. She called Donald Trump Putin's puppet. And anybody who knows anything about the Democrat Party and the Soviets knows that that's projection. But I found it very distasteful. I did. I couldn't believe she did that. Uh, but she did. And then she gave away our nuclear weapons sequence. You know, she, she laid it right out there. She's just as good as Biden. You know, who, who he was out there today, too. You should have heard him. I almost got a clip of him. He sounded like he was in the pulpit. It was unbelievable. You know, but, you know, Fox, what does Fox News do? They go right to the new accusation. Some some woman got the inside of her breast touched or something 100 years ago and, you know, wanted to bring it to Fox News tonight. And then you had Dana Perino sitting there in full Clinton protection mode. Uh, that's getting to be more sickening every day. But I got to tell you, Donald Trump came back. This is what I love about this guy. Because these people like Bill Crystal and Lindsey Graham and a whole bunch of the rest of them, I mean, they were almost all on the bandwagon about this, about him uh, saying that he'll he'll let you know on election night if he accepts the results. Uh, but then he came out with a stunning uh, kind of reversal knot. Gentlemen, I want to make a major announcement today. I would like to promise and pledge to all of my voters and supporters, and to all of the people of the United States, that I will totally accept the results of this great and historic presidential election if I win. The question of voter fraud came up during the debate. We want fairness in the election. This is having nothing to do with me, but having to do with the future of our country. We have to have fairness. John Podesta, Hillary Clinton's campaign chairman, was quoted in WikiLeaks as saying, illegal immigrants could vote as long as they have their driver's license. 
What I'm saying is don't be naive, folks. Don't be naive. Of course, I would accept a clear election result, but I would also reserve my right to contest or file a legal challenge in the case of a questionable result. Right? Right? And always, I will follow and abide by all of the rules and traditions of all of the many candidates who have come before me. Always. Bottom line, Bottom we're going to win. Now, I don't know about you guys. Actually, I think I do know. But is this guy the only one that talks with common sense? I mean, the rest of these squishes to bail and to automatically pledge your sacred honor to a broken criminal system, all it tells you is they're criminals too. The ones that are separating themselves from Donald Trump, whether we win or lose, and, and we, we don't know. I have complete faith, but that doesn't mean that this can't be snatched. Make no mistake about it. Don't, don't feel that confident to think that this can't be stolen because it can. Whether this guy wins or loses, he's changed the Republican. These people think and you could hear Bill Crystal. They're actively trying to get him to lose. They think in their delusional minds that, that they're going to come back and rebuild this party. This party is over the way it was before this election cycle. And this sentiment will still be there on November 9th, no matter whether Trump wins or loses. These guys are banished forever. Remember their names. Now it's up to the voters. Will they gauge the one very obvious takeaway from this campaign? This is by Bruce Thornton, a showman journalism fellow at the David Horowitz Freedom Center. The third debate was a rerun of the other two. Even And this is the last we're going to talk about. Well, it's not the last, it's, but we're getting into the Russians after the break. Even moderator Chris Wallace scolded both candidates for repeating stale talking points and talking over each other like squabbling fishwives. Now, this is going to get a little critical of Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen, but you need to listen to the greater point. Trump nor Clinton said anything that will change the race one way or the other, although the media will shriek over Trump's refusal to say he wouldn't contest the results. There still may be an October surprise, but Trump's persona is pretty much fixed, and any further scandals about taxes or women are already baked in. Hillary is more vulnerable to the unexpected given her numerous scandals filled with potential bombshells. But it would have to be spectacularly damaging to overcome the media's studied indifference to anything that might hurt their candidate. Now it's time for the voters to decide. So what have we learned from this election campaign, this race? The candidates in the three debates have been analyzed and commented on ad nauseum. But the analysis, with some exceptions, have not been even-handed or based on clear principles objectively, objectively applied. Both candidates are obviously flawed, and these deficiencies are plain to everyone, as both candidates' high disapproval ratings show. Indeed, their flaws are glaring to an extent unprecedented in modern presidential candidates. Trump's in-your-face, braggadocious, hyper-egotistic character, lack of preparation, addiction to superlative adjectives, and his crude, sometimes vulgar rhetoric have been a year-long obsession of the pundits and media. Not so much with Clinton's 25-year-long catalog of scandal from cattle futures, the Rose Law Firm, Whitewater, and brutally managing Bill's bimbo eruptions, to servergate, emailgate, pay-for-play, Clinton Family Foundation, auctioning off the State Department, collusion with the FBI, and giving perjurious testimony to Congress. This brings us up to one very obvious takeaway from this campaign. The mainstream media are utterly enslaved to progressive ideology. Their cheerleading for Obama should have made it clear that their protestations of objectivity, speaking truth to power, comforting the afflicted, afflicting the comfortable, and being the watchdogs of the public, was wheel are gross and lies. The mainstream media are the power in our image-besotted, celebrity-obsessed, superficial age. They are the comfortable with the same elite credentials and zip codes as the political elite of both parties. They are not watchdogs, but spaniels perched on the laps of the progressive commissars and eating from their hands. 
They occasionally snarl and nip, but never risk their privilege and influence by investigating and reporting the truth. You know the media are shameless hacks when Trump's decades-old vulgar sexual banner and unproven charges of sexual groping get 23 minutes of television news coverage for every one minute on Hillary's emails and the revelation of her corruption of the State Department, her debauchment of the FBI, her endangerment of national security, and her campaign flunkies' dirty tricks against her opponent. The second truth revealed by this year's campaign is that there does exist an elite establishment that transcends party lines. It is defined by high incomes, prestigious college credentials, cosmopolitan tastes, pretensions to cultural superiority, politically correct manners, professions parasitic on wealth rather than creative of it, a preference for fashionable words over gritty deeds, and lives passed in certain coastal enclaves filled with those who share consumption choices in food, clothing, and culture, both high and popular, that announce their social superiority. In short, they are snobs. That's Bill Crystal, and the rest of them. But he doesn't even sound right. His accent's all thirst and howl. Thus, for all their socialistic rhetoric and protestations of love for the downtrodden, progressive politicians, writers, entertainers, and pundits live in this rarefied world cheek to jowl with the Wall Street pirates and plutocrats whom they regularly demonize, but always with their fingers crossed behind their backs. Or as Hillary put it, uh, one of her lucrative, in one of her lucrative speeches, they maintain a private position, but adopt a different public one when running for office, wooing donors, or climbing the career ladder. So much has long been obvious about the cav- of caviar left. What this election has made obvious is the extent to which many Republican politicos and pundits share many of these same characteristics. The vehemence, and at times hysteria, of their attacks on Trump their obsession with style rather than substance, with Trump's words rather than Hillary's deeds, were revealing. They showed a visceral hatred of Trump as a man, a distaste for a certain kind of vulgar personality that refused to perfume itself, like Bill Clinton or Ted Kennedy, with decorum or rhetoric. This failure of never-Trumpers to concentrate on Clinton's actions as a public servant reeked of class prejudice. And it blinded never-Trumpers to their obligation to practice discernment and to make moral distinctions. The failures and failings of a politician and political appointee who has taken an oath to uphold the Constitution are light years away in significance from the personality flaws of a businessman whose only oath is to mammon. Clinton's reckless behavior, contempt for the truth, disregard for the law, and indifference to equal justice disqualify her from the highest office in our republic. Trump's personality disqualifies him as a dinner guest in Georgetown or Menio or Menlo Park, Menlo Park, but say nothing definite about what sort of president he might be. The Republican establishment and its Trump derangement syndrome has alienated the tens of millions of middle and working class Republicans who supported Trump and gave him the nomination. Those flyover Republicans may not have the right college credentials, but they know when they are being patronized. They get it when Paul Ryan misuses the word racist. He is kowtowing to political correctness. And they can detect the preemptive cringe Republicans indulge in the face of Democrats' criticism and threats and question-begging epithets like racist and sexist and xenophobe, smears many Republicans also have hurled at Trump. Why else would so many jump like fleas from a dying dog when the tape of Trump's juvenile sexual boasting are revealed? Was it not to assure their fellow elites on the other side that their feminist papers are in order? and that they abhor sexism the way they're supposed to? The Republican elite's alienation from many Republican citizens calls to mind Benjamin Disraeli's description of two nations in his novel Sybil. Two nations between whom there is no intercourse and no sympathy, who are as ignorant of each other's habits, thoughts, and feelings as if they were dwellers in different zones or inhabitants of different planets who are formed by a different breeding and fed by a different food, are ordered by different manners, and are not governed by the same laws. For Disraeli, the the rich and the poor define the two nations. 
We have no poor, at least as defined by the history of human experience, but we do have an upper class and a lower class. Charles Murray's Belmont and Fishtown, the fictional communities, he uses to illustrate this chasm that has developed between mass and elite in America. But despite all that, the election will be determined by voters. And what their behavior this election year shows is that thoughtful, sober, and judicious study of policy proposals or background facts and statistics is not that important to most voters. This is exactly what James Madison implied in his description of faction, the associations of voters created by similar passions and interests. Notice Madison did not say created by a similar level of knowledge and agreement about the particulars of a policy or an issue. Skeptical of human nature learned in the excesses of Athenian democracy, Madison knew voters prefer self-interest, particularly regarding the economy and religious or ideological passions, to wonkish study of the intricacies of the capital loss carry-forward tax provision or the implications of the NATO Treaty's Article 5. So whoever gets elected, the new president will have one not because of his or her policy prescriptions were judged to be more plausible, more coherent, more principled, more buttressed by argument and facts. That's why we haven't heard much of the latter from either candidate or any serious proposals about the looming entitlement disaster or our dangerously diminished global prestige. What we have seen instead is something akin to the speeches of demagogues in the Athenian assembly, full of wild bluster laced with charges of sordid sexual practices and promises of more state pay to the masses, and as clever rhetorical style swayed the Athenians, so too with this election, in which focus-grouped sound bites and sophistic attack ads turned voters, as the demagogue Cleon put it, into spectators of a theatrical performance. So we can, and we should, blame the media and hypocritical elites, but around 45 million voters are going to pick the winner, and in the end, they will be responsible for the result. So, I don't agree with the entirety of that article, but the bottom line is, we're going to have to fix this party when this is all over, no matter what happens. And I swear these people think they're going to come back and just have this progressive light group of Bill Crystals and over my dead body. That's never going to happen again. I still think we have a lot of a lot of fight left in us, and I still don't believe the polls. And I'm going to predict to you that by next week, these polls are going to start getting a little bit closer to the truth. Because if they don't, and I, I predict that the truth is Trump is going to go up. I think he's been up all along. But then the polling companies will be out of business. You see, Gallup already got out of the presidential election predicting business. Anyway, Russian Navy, when we come back, you're listening to Cold War Radio with Hutch Bailey Jr. on We Are America Radio. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. listening to Cold War Radio. The Clintons. From dead broke to worth hundreds of millions. So how did Hillary end up filthy rich? Pay-to-play politics. Staggering amounts of cash poured into the Clinton Foundation from criminals, dictators, countries that hate America. 
Hillary cut deals for donors, sold out American workers, exploited Haitians in need. She even handed over American uranium rights to the Russians. Hillary Clinton only cares about power, money, and herself. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. President of the United States takes pleasure in presenting the Silver Star Medal to John Tate, Captain Infantry, U.S. Army, for conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity in action while serving as commanding officer of Company A, 1st Battalion, 9th Infantry Regiment, 2nd Brigade Combat Team, 2nd Infantry Division during combat operations against enemy forces in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom on 24 February 2006 at Ramadi, Iraq. Early in the morning of 24 February, while on patrol in Ramadi, one of Captain Tate's platoons hit an improvised explosive device, injuring several Americans. Insurgent forces were engaged by Captain Tate's soldiers in a battle that lasted for six hours. During that period, Captain Tate fearlessly directed his men in action, exposing himself to enemy fire as he moved Bradley armored vehicles and two other platoons into position. Thirteen of Captain Tate's soldiers were wounded in the fierce battle, but by his gallant leadership, he overcame the enemy opposition and evacuated his wounded for treatment without loss of life to any of his men. The outstanding leadership, personal gallantry, and tactical skill displayed by Captain Tate on this occasion reflect the highest credit upon himself, the 2nd Infantry Division, and the United States Army. Hometown, Park Rapids, Minnesota. Captain Tate job well done and god bless america after an air attack your water taps may run dry or the water in them may be too dangerous to drink because it has been poisoned by fallout so your life may depend entirely on what you have stored. Keep it clean by covering the containers. Its main use is for drinking, but use it sparingly. For each person you should have stored at least two pints for each day. Don't waste water on washing or anything else. If you must use water for cooking, use as little as possible. If you heat cans of food in a saucepan of water, don't throw the water away. It can be used over and over again. By the way, make sure you pierce the top of the can before heating. Dip your dirty knives and forks into the pan while the water is still hot. Water is life. Save it. Honestly, I will do my best to answer your questions about this. Dear Hillary Clinton, I'd like to ask you why you ignored calls for help in Benghazi. If you do not get your son, Americans are going to die, including the one talking to you right now. And then, four Americans were murdered. We did not put one single American soldier on the ground in Libya. We have no jurisdiction in this country. We're not even supposed to be here. I'd like to know why you lied. I, I can't help it that people think there has to be something else there. We have 36 American lives to save. I'd like to know why you lied, saying the attack was a response to an internet video. We've seen rage and violence directed at American embassies over an awful internet video that we had nothing to do with. You know, to be clear, it is less important today, looking backwards, as to why these militants did it. Was it because of a protest, or was it because of guys out for a walk one night who decided they'd go kill some Americans? I'd like to hear why you tried to silence the Benghazi whistleblower. Losing the initiative. Stand down! If you do not get your son, we are all going to die. How willing are you to die for your country? I'm ready to go right here, right now. 
Mrs. Clinton. What difference does it make? What difference at this point does it make? I saw a little banter in the chat room. Don't, don't, uh, whatever you do, ladies and gentlemen, you got about 10 more days uh, until you can really trust the polls. All right, the polls, and, and this is an election that has changed uh, pretty much the framework uh, of any election I've ever uh, observed before. So that might not even be the case uh, for this one because Donald Trump represents such an existential change for so many people in uh, in the political business and uh there are literally trillions of dollars at stake here so pray for his health and uh pray for the truth 412-567-1460 if you'd like to join the show uh let's talk about this uh and we're this is coming out of the out of the bbc those of you that follow both of my shows have heard about this already uh, you won't see a whole lot of this on the american media because it's such an embarrassment uh but the uk warships are shadowing the Russian Naval Task Force. If you look at the the uh, image for tonight's episode, there's a map that shows the route uh, of the Russian Navy in through the English Channel and around into the Mediterranean Sea and to the Syrian port. Uh, two British warships are shadowing an aircraft carrier and other Russian naval ships as they pass the UK on their way to Syria. The carrier Admiral Kuznetsov and its task force are on a course to sail through the North Sea and English Channel. A Ministry of Defense spokesman said that the ships would be man-marked every step of the way while near UK waters. However, NATO said Russia had the right to operate in international waters. It comes amid heightened tension between Russia and NATO. We will be watching as part of our steadfast commitment to keep Britain safe, Defense Secretary Michael Fallon said. Now, the reason that this is so dangerous, and I'm speaking mainly to people that aren't really familiar with military operations and things of this nature, but uh, what you've got when you have a warship like this, you've got tremendous combat power, and I'm sure there's a contingent of Soviet Marines and probably Spetsnaz uh, on these vessels. And these guys, to include the British naval forces, are armed to the teeth, and they're on a hair trigger. So as they pass by each other, uh, you have to pray that cooler heads prevail on these vessels uh, because there's a whole lot of ass-whoop capability on both sides. Uh, so this is something that you always try to avoid in this day and age. Uh, we will be watching as part of our steadfast commitment to keep Britain safe, Defense Secretary Michael Fallon said. The Ministry of Defense said at about 1300 BST that the Russian task force was in the middle of the North Sea heading southwards. At that stage, it was understood to be about 100 miles off Edinburgh. And then it shows the map that I have posted. Type 45 destroyer HMS Her Majesty's ship HMS Duncan sailed from Portsmouth on Tuesday to track the Kuznetsov group as it headed south from the Norwegian Sea, escorted by the Type 23 frigate HMS Richmond. Analysis by Jonathan Marcus, BBC defense and diplomatic correspondent. If as anticipated, the Admiral Kuznetsov and his task force are heading for the eastern Mediterranean, this will be the first ever combat deployment for Russia's only aircraft carrier. A Ministry of Defense spokesman says that the Russian flotilla currently in the North Sea could pass through the Strait of Dover as early as Thursday evening, though it could be significantly delayed if the carrier conducts flight operations or has to stop to refuel. Two of the Russian vessels carry land attack cruise missiles, and the carrier has unknown number of aircraft on board. That's how good we've been operating the last 10 years. 
These will enhance Russia's firepower off of Syria, but this is, above all, a demonstration of force projection, a signal from Moscow that it can deploy its military might when and where it chooses. The deployment comes as a humanitarian pause in attacks on rebel-held eastern Aleppo in Syria begins. The temporary truce is part of a plan to allow civilians and fighters to leave, and Russian and Syrian airstrikes have been halted since Tuesday. But International Development Secretary Priti Patel said the truth was woefully inadequate, adding what is needed is a return to a full and lasting cessation of hostilities, including safe humanitarian access across the whole country as well as in Aleppo. Risky posturing, the Russian task force will strengthen Russia's naval presence off the Syrian coast. It already has about 10 ships there, with the fired cruise missiles during Russia's bombardment of anti-government rebels in Syria. HMS Richmond man-marks the Admiral Kuznetsov's aircraft carrier task group, and that would be a caption I forgot to take out. That's why it says image caption next. The British ships will escort the task force as it passes the UK on its way to Syria. A NATO official said, There are plans in place for NATO navies to monitor the Russian ships as they head for the Mediterranean. Yeah, that's about all they can do is monitor them. At the same time, the deployment of the carrier group to eastern to the eastern Mediterranean does not inspire confidence that Russia is working toward a political solution to the conflict in Syria. The Admiral Kuznetsov is the only carrier in the Russian Navy. It can carry more than 50 aircraft, and its weapon systems include granite anti-ship cruise missiles. The former NATO Secretary General Jop D. Hoop Scheffler told BBC Radio 4's World at One that Russian President Vladimir Putin was engaged in risky posturing and the West needed to respond with tougher sanctions against Russia. I think we should have a strong reaction, and first and foremost, to show that the European Union has a consensus on its Russia policy, he said. I'm not an admirer of Vladimir Putin, but he plays a weak hand rather well because he knows that the European Union has no consensual Russia policy so he can get away with it. Arriving at her first Brussels summit as UK Prime Minister, Theresa May said it was important to have a united European stance against Russian aggression, including sickening atrocities in Syria. So there you have it. I mean, they're flouting their, their might. I can't remember another time uh, when they did something like that, at least not for a long time. Uh, so they're out there, man. They're the cock on the walk. And nobody's going to do anything about it. I mean, what can you do? Unbelievable. Just totally unbelievable. All right, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go down. You heard all these same uh, cocktail party circuit Republicans uh, jump out tonight, today, yesterday, and ever since this uh, whole Veritas thing started and the WikiLeaks that have said, oh, voter fraud, that's just silly. That's something that Lindsey Graham said, I can't believe that he wouldn't believe in our democratic system. And, oh, my word. Well, here's what Justin Crusoe brought us. Here's what voter fraud looks like in 23 states. I'm probably not going to get through all of them, but you guys know what to do. SteelCityResistance.blogspot.com. Go to the show links, show notes links page. Uh, this is CWR 390 if you're listening to the podcast two weeks from now or something. Republican candidate Donald Trump is making accusations that the election is rigged against him, even suggesting the possibility of voter fraud. Trump leveled this accusation in a tweet early Monday morning that read, Of course there is a large-scale voter fraud happening on and before Election Day. Why do Republican leaders deny what is going on so naive? Again, the only guy speaking common sense uh, in, in the Republican Party. So let's go through some of these states. Virginia. Just a few weeks ago, Harrisonburg, Virginia claimed about 20 voter applications were submitted for dead people. A voter registration group called Harrisonburg Votes is responsible for the applications and the group is reportedly headed by Joe Fitzgerald, chairman of the Democrat Committee in Harrisonburg. An investigation has been launched. Hung up a little too soon, brother. And I hit the glass breaking button. 
An egregious example of illegal voter fraud in Colorado was that of Sarah Sosa, a woman who died in 2009 yet voted in 2010, 2011, 2012, and 2013. Michigan. Two Democrat officials in Michigan, Jason Bauer and Mike McGinnis, were convicted in 2012 for involvement in an election fraud scheme. The two men attempted to put a fake Tea Party candidate on the ballot to split the conservative vote. California. In only three counties in California's 2016 presidential primary, there were reportedly 194 people who voted twice. Some voters were voting once by mail, then going to polls and voting again, according to the East Bay Times. It is possible that even more mail votes were submitted fraudulently, but only 194 people actually voted in person after having a mail ballot submitted for them, leading to them being caught. Missouri. The initial results of a Democratic Party primary in St. Louis this year were scrapped after absentee ballots were improperly recorded. The first election, which had shown incumbent Penny Hubbard winning the race, was redone. In the special election that followed, Hubbard's opponent, Bruce Franks Jr., decisively won. Florida. Daisy Penton de Cabrera was convicted in 2013 of possessing more than two ballots which belonged to other voters. Cabrera was found with 12 absentee ballots of other people and was keeping a list of elderly Hispanic voters, many of whom were deaf-blind or had Alzheimer's. Kentucky. In McGoffin County, Kentucky, three people were convicted of felony voter fraud in 2016. McGoffin County Magistrate Gary Reisner, Deputy County Clerk Larry Shepard, and Tammy Joe Reisner were discovered to be buying votes. During the case, the court heard witnesses testify to being paid $50 to vote for a slate in 2014. North Carolina, Pascal Parker, a Tennessee resident, pleaded guilty to felony voter fraud in North Carolina in 2015 after he voted in person in Tennessee, then sent in absentee ballots to Florida and North Carolina. A North Carolina watchdog group called the Voter Integrity Project uncovered Parker's fraud. Arkansas. Democrat uh, State Representative Representative Hudson Hallam, along with his father Ken Hallam, and two campaign workers were caught bribing absentee voters and tampering with ballots. They pleaded guilty and were sentenced in 2013. Area code 417, what's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, Hutch, this is HUD out in Kansas. How you doing? HUD, HUD, H-U-D? H-U-D, that's my nickname, yeah. All right, HUD. What's on your mind, sir? I am so proud of Mr. Trump. He's finally a guy that will stand up and fight. And, uh, man, his leadership has just encouraged me a whole bunch to take on everybody. I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. And it was, it was refreshing uh, with the cacophony of negativity with these uh, Thurston Howell Republicans to hear General Flynn come out and say the same thing immediately. He's a leader. We have not had leadership for decades. And to actually have a man, his abortion answer just, I, you know, I hate to admit it, but I'm tearing up in my eyes thinking about this guy. He's just awesome. I feel the same way. And, and you know, you contrast it uh, with the clip I played of uh, William Crystal and Joe Scarborough, and it's just, uh, these people don't even have a man card, I don't think. I mean, you know, you, you look at them, who, who talks like Bill Crystal in America? You know, Hello, it, GOP. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, I mean, and then what, Trump, what today when he was, uh, Trump today when he was just playing him, saying he would accept the election results if he won, I just love the guy. Did you he hear the so crowd's funny. reaction? Did oh, you yeah, hear the crowd's reaction? Awesome. That's, that's one of the loudest reactions I've ever heard to somebody. That was just absolutely great. And I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you, and thanks for calling, Hud. I appreciate it. Call back, please. All right, that's nice. I got you in the bank now. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the whole way that he did that uh, was just totally, totally outstanding. Carrie from Florida, what's going on? Oh no, this is Terry Security. Terry, what's up? Hey Wayne, I started Hutch. I'm so sorry. So used to saying Wayne. I apologize. That's quite uh, all right. Wanted to make a couple quick points about Director Comey. A lot of people don't realize that Comey never worked for the FBI ever. Oh, uh, no. Uh, no, he was a, he was a He's an attorney for the uh, uh, Justice Department. So I can't imagine being a police officer working for a police chief who never stepped behind the steering wheel of a Crown Vic, who never wrote a ticket, who never went in a bar to pull out a drunk, okay? I, I just, I can't fathom it. 
The other thing I want to talk about, just real quick, is before he came on to the FBI, he worked for Bridgewater Associates. Bridgewater is a firm that serves pension funds, endowments, and foundations, foreign governments, and central banks. They have assets under their control of $122 billion. To include the Clinton Foundation. There you go. You know, a lot of people aren't talking about that, and that's something that it, it should have. He should have recused himself for this whole thing. And and, 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 and Terry, I, I wonder. I wonder what your thoughts are, uh, because uh, like me, you, you're around. You know a lot of law enforcement people. You know how these people are. Uh, and are you like me, awaiting for a news conference with about thirty of these agents at the news conference, and just turn this guy out? Yeah, I, I, I can only imagine that these uh, agents that have come on as, as rookies and worked 20, 30 years that have been out there uh, and that they are FBI agents. He, he was a plug-in. Obama picked him for a reason. Older would have had a reason to want him, and I'm sure Hillary probably had a few things to say. But the point I'm trying to make is, yes, I believe that the career FBI guys are mad. I think they're furious. I think they feel betrayed. I think they feel he betrayed uh, the badge that, that that they that they carry, and uh, he he had to take an oath, and he betrayed that oath. But yeah, they're, I'm I'm predicting somebody will probably come forward, five, ten, twenty, how many, and they're gonna they're gonna just they're just gonna say what they feel. I think you're right. Thanks for calling, Terry. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, you, you know the the thing is is maybe maybe what happened here now that I now that we're dwelling on it a little bit, maybe him belonging or him being on the board of HBSC or whatever the acronym is for the, the firm that, that Terry just mentioned, maybe that's the whole reason they picked him. Because there's that that firm was involved in drug money laundering. I mean, there's some, uh, there's some dirt out there, and if you want somebody to have your back a few years later, you put them in a position like that, and then if it comes time to turn the screws, uh, that's the way these people work, you know. So, uh, no doubt about it. So, go to the uh, show notes links page you can get the rest of there's many many more states uh, and I just want to I want to finish up with uh, this from Rick Moran uh, th- there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel I know there's a lot of people that are frustrated like I am uh, about how this woman gets away with this criminality just time after time after time and I don't know what's going to happen with this but it's a little bit of a, a sparkle of light group files FEC complaint based on O'Keefe video A public interest election integrity organization has filed suit with the FEC alleging illegal cooperation between the Clinton campaign and their primary super PAC, among other organizations. The suit is based on a series of videos by Project Veritas that shows several political operatives bragging about being an illegal conduit between the campaign and left-wing groups in violation of federal law. And then it quotes the Washington Free Beacon. And it goes on and on about the details of the case. But I'll tell you, you know, this is the thing. Sooner or later, this is going to catch up with these people. And I don't think, I think that they've gotten away with it so often that I think that they think that they're above it all. I think they've got the John Gotti syndrome. And they think that they can just, because they've staged these spectacular uh, getaways before, that they're going to just continue to do it. And I think karma is about ready to smack them in their collective mouths and i can't wait for it to happen and i hope and pray that donald j trump is the vehicle that gets us to justice because remember we're on the right side here we're on the right side of all this and again i will stress do not allow the psychological operations which are the media and the media polls to sway you in any way, shape, or form. You keep if you start feeling down about the polls, you go to rsbn.tv and watch a Trump rally. And you believe your lying eyes. You watch the people in the crowd. You watch the enthusiasm. Adam will go up and down outside and show you how many people are outside. Don't believe these polls. Believe your lying eyes. I'm Hutch Bailey Jr., ladies and gentlemen, on Facebook, Berg's Eye View on Twitter. I want to thank everybody in the chat room. Thanks, Carrie, for straightening me out on the show notes links and everybody that's listening live or listening to the podcast. Thanks for letting me into your life for one hour. Wayne Dupree's up next. I'll catch you tomorrow. 
Cold War Radio, same time, same channel. God bless.